Hello and welcome to another episode of the Jedi Sorter. I am your host Jay Larson and joining me as always is my co-host Patrick Whiting. Hello Patrick. Hey Jay, how's it going? I am well. How are you? I am tired but also well. <laughs> uh, that's fair. <laughs> so um, it's it's a new episode, it's a new week. What's What's new with you Patrick? Well, we just had um, our first sort of foray into the tournament scene for Shatterpoint in the area. It's a little intro event just concluded over the weekend. It's pretty fun. Good times were had by all. Nice. Yeah. So what do you yeah. think of said event? I liked it. Um, what One of my favorite takeaways was just how delightfully quick the games moved along i don't think we had many uh go go to time most of us were concluding probably around the 90 to 100 minute mark i think in most cases uh, but it it's a delightfully sort of i mean the game just feels brisk and i feel like how it is it doesn't at least for me it didn't feel quite as mentally taxing even for a four round event um and uh I've, I mean, I was ready to play two more games. Um, frankly, I was I was having a good time. Uh, all all in. All in. Yeah, it's it's great. The people are great. The community is looking great. And uh, there was a lot of Grievous played. <laughs> a lot of Grievous played. Yeah. 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 He's good. Yeah. It, the team works well. What What would you say was the the most common Grievous incarnation you did or saw? Uh, um, well, I think it's the Grievous sort of separatist boat. So it would be Grievous, Kraken, Kalani, B1s, um, or, and it kind of depended on who the other primary was. So if it was Dooku, then it was Magna Guard. If it was Asajj, it was probably B2s. But I mean, I, I wasn't, I wasn't fully clocking everything. Um, Grievous was taken six times, so there's six people playing Grievous. Uh, one of those people had uh, kind of a, an interesting off off the the path list, but then the next most taken person was Asajj. So, um, so I think Asajj, Grievous, or something. But it was mostly the the um, separatist boat that. Uh, that showed up with with Grievous. Yeah. Next was uh, I think Obi Wan and either Anakin or Luminara. And then a few of us who didn't who didn't follow that path and took some different things. There's three of us playing Vader, maybe four. Three three of us I think three of us playing Vader. It does um, feel a little bit to me, and I'm I'm curious I guess your take on this. Um, but it, it kind of seemed like um that the meta is currently kind of going in a direction of of trying to have damage output and trying to be able to one shot uh characters in an activation is does that seem accurate to you or am i or, yeah are things yeah. kind of playing out different in different places as well <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure things are playing out differently in different places uh right now that seems in this area to be um a popular approach 
Uh, I don't know if yeah. everybody takes that approach every time because a lot. I mean, it's a small collection right now. A lot of people have that full collection, um, so they they might kind of move around, uh, especially since some of the the next releases aren't out for a little while. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm not sure where it's going to go from here, but at the moment it seems like trying to overpower your opponent um, with uh, just sheer force is a very popular approach. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but it, it, I mean, it, it was the 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 person who won. They were playing Grievous and Dooku, and they played well. And um, I think that uh, I think that's going to be a popular motif. And that seems like the other the other one is the reverse of that. So Obi Wan and Luminara. In some combination with some some other primaries, where you have all of the heels and all of the yeah, kind of recovers. I, I think that one's interesting. Where um, I don't know, like I'm I'm interested to give it a try, but it feels like you know I, I'm I'm a little skeptical how good Luminar is going to be without when something's wounded and you can't heal it or whatever, right? But but maybe I'm just not seeing the Matrix yet. <laughs> I. So I think my my thoughts on that having the same sort of suspicion. Uh, there's I think a few different um, ingredients to that approach. One is just simply hoping that they don't one shot some of your characters. Uh, so there's a lot more consideration with placement. So I think it is harder because um, you don't have to necessarily be as conscientious with B ones or or with uh, B twos. You could just move up, shoot stuff, shoot stuff, shoot stuff, shoot stuff. Um, but having Luminara completely undo all of that damage with two force power is um, its pretty impressive and possibly demoralizing. <laughs> so if if that doesn't happen, if you if some for some reason your Grievous or your Dooku, they whiff, they don't make it all the way through, Luminara just it pretty easily moves up and takes all of that right off and that is a it's essentially a wasted activation for your opponent and an aggressive team if they're not doing what they need to do that that's they're going to lose ground kind of quickly i think i mean it's 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 a uh, it's part luck part placement and part skill so i i think i think your suspicions are reasonable um, cuz it it can also fall short too you don't yeah. have enough if you don't have enough force or you're out of position, then they're they're gonna be in a much much worse spot. So let's uh I've I've got a couple of, of rule corner items to go over. Hmm. Uh three actually. So one someone mentioned three. on Reddit. Um okay. I, I think we might have mentioned this in another episode. I'm not sure. It might have just been between us. Um but on a previous episode, um, we I believe we said at, at one point that you could not gain hunker while playing Obi Wan while you were mm-hmm. yep. engaged, and his he has specific rules that that override that and and does Correct. yeah um, take presence of that so that is something to take note of. Yes, yes, I it, it is important. I asked even the the question as well uh, about about that <laughs> very specific thing in the rules forum um 
because there's there's nothing that I could find, and I could be missing it completely, but there's nothing I could find in the rules that say uh, um, the character cards trump the core rules, just that they're extensions uh-huh. of. So it's it's uh, an assumption that, um, or just, just sort of a, the natural logical step that the character yeah. cards yeah. would circumvent the, the, the normal core rules. So yeah, that is true. Um, yeah, I was incorrect about that as well. All right. So second item, this is this is one that you linked to me, and uh-huh. it talks about um, does moving when pinned and string trigger the string condition? And so, do you want to give us a breakdown of that one? Um, yeah, that one's interesting. I saw that and I thought that was that's a cool. Well, maybe maybe not cool. It is a nuance of that. So generally speaking, if you've got a character that is strained and pinned, and if they do something that would remove the pin, it would remove the strain, but there's a situation, and the person who posted this was John H. Um, and uh, um, essentially, I'm going to try my best to paraphrase here. Um, if, you're, if you're essentially not activating, but moving a character out of their activation with somebody's sort of innate or or um, just character ability, it won't necessarily trigger the strain because the pin essentially keeps that movement from happening at all. Mm-hmm. And the character would lose the pin but keep the strain in that very sort of specific circumstance. And it is easy to, I think, gloss over that really unique <laughs> situation. I guess it's not that unique. It kind of can happen kind of a lot, but sure, yeah, uh, yeah. Knowing knowing the right approach to it is is going to take a little bit of kind of constant vigilance. At least I, I'm going to try really hard in my next few games to to look for this circumstance to arise, just so I can smash it into my brain. Um, so the final one that I want to talk about, and this is one that um, is pretty clear in the core rules, and I don't know why my, my brain just kind of farted on this. Um, but the the way that I had been playing contesting a controlling objectives was wrong. Huh. Um, and so I was, I was playing, you know, if I have, let's say I have a character up controlling an objective and you have one controlling an objective. Um, and then I have one character on a different elevation. Uh, uh-huh. um, I had been playing that I would gain control of the objective that, uh, you would then, after checking the one you're on, you would check the other elevations, but that is not what the rules say. <laughs> the rules say that um, if there are characters that are on that elevation and they're tied, then you just stop there and you don't check uh, the other elevations. So. Oh, oh, I see. Interesting. Is is that one that you had been doing wrong as well? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You were you were uh, not the silly goose I was. <laughs> not in this case. I'm I've certainly made some silly silly mistakes, but um, that one wasn't one I have in my uh, my basket. Um, so you were just to make sure I understand though. You were so, so the objective is on one level, and there's a tie, 
and then you're you're kind of you're making this sort of step that if there's a tie you start gauging um from other elevations you'd look at the other elevations yeah uh yeah yep i could i mean that's uh, that's kind of how you would do it and i mean there's sort of a logical jump you would do with with right, that yeah. from from Marvel with with sort of their their approach, yeah, and I could see why you would you would make make that uh, that logical jump there. Um, hmm. It's not, yeah, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> it does not. <laughs> All right, well, let's let's go ahead and move on. So this will be an interesting episode because we <laughs> we try to be a podcast that stays mostly positive and i don't feel like i have many positive things to say about these models i, I will offer the positive take because yes so you can you'll, you'll offer you'll try to convince me of the positivity uh and i'll i'll try to be convinced but the deep sadness in my heart is that you know i'm it, so I'm, I'm currently c- completely painted uh which is exciting Most um and I am. I was especially excited to start playing the Inquisitor models, mm-hmm. and they have been such a disappointment to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't. I I'd kind of like to spend the whole episode talking about that entire box. Okay. And I, I mean, do you want to want to go ahead? Can we throw? I, I think it is important to just lump Vader and Obi Wan in there too. Um, why? Especially, at least Vader. I mean, Vader is not only an Inquisitor, but he's kind of like he is. He is an important, I don't know, binder for the the success. Uh, oh, how dare you! <laughs> uh, okay, so we're off to the races already. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, I'm I'm kind of curious. Um, you know, what do you? When I first read the support characters for the inquisitors i thought that they were pretty interesting and intriguing uh-huh. um and i'm curious what your take is on them at this point so obviously they have only one model instead of two like the other support models and true they but they have they, two support units which is also yes. different so. yes um and and it will be and one of the one of the issues right now, in my opinion, uh, well, I, there's lots of issues with them, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 if if I, I I would like to be able to take Vader and both Inquisitor support models, and you can do that soon once Mace Windu releases, and if you take Pawns, yeah. but I don't know if that's going to be very good per se. Um, I don't think it's that necessary. Yeah. I think it, I, I, currently, I, I, especially, currently, I don't think it's that necessary. Well, it's also probably not good, <laughs> but, um, but I'm, I'm curious what, what are your, what are your thoughts on the secondary characters? So the, the secondary or the support? Sorry, the support. Yeah. The support. I don't yeah. think it's the secondary in a second, I guess. So I think that the support are pretty good. Um, they, their tempo and how they play are unique to them. So they they are support, but they play more like secondaries. Um, and I, I, I'll show a little bit of my hand. I think that the support secondaries, we'll say, are better than the actual secondary. 
and I, I, my only reservations really revolve around that particular thing. But so looking at Fifth Brother, I think Fifth Brother is very good. Um, collecting my thoughts on some reasons why I, he has a pretty strong board presence, especially with that force sort of um, bubble that he just creates. It's very strong in the right situation. And with a little bit of practice and some good timing, it can be pretty, pretty evocative. Uh, another reason why I think it can be pretty evocative is it doesn't just work on your opponent's models. It works on your own. So right out of the gate, if you happen to get him first, you can use him to just force push a bunch of people right up the, right up the board real fast. And I think... Uh, that can be a pretty interesting and impactful uh, first first like play zero first turn play. That like that's a that's a that's pretty cool I think and, and pretty powerful. It does cost you two force, but early on maybe not a big deal. The the other things I like about him, he's very he can put out a fair bit of damage. He puts out a lot of conditions. He's got force jump. He breaks ties. He has the enfeeble, which is a lot like the coordinated fire. I, I I think that Fifth Brother is just a very solid unit. Just a very solid unit. Fourth Sister falls okay, a little whoa, 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 whoa. So before below, before but... we go on, actually we can do you, you can do Fourth Sister. Then I'll because uh, okay. um, you, you asked about both supports. Or do you just want to yes, do one? Yes, that's, that's fair. No, we <laughs> okay. can do both. That's fine. Um. I played Four Sister at the event, and I like her a lot. I think she gets a little bit uh, of a black eye in terms of her reputation because she's not fifth brother. But frankly, she has her own strengths, and I don't think that they are that bad. Maybe in comparison, but she's she's very good, and and the, the force pull for one force point is very good. Yes. The enfeeble is very good. The yes. break ties is very good. She's pretty resistant to ranged attacks, and her melee defense is also pretty decent. The both of them can can trigger an active ability on their attack, and they only need five successes. With Vader, it's pretty easy, especially into the right target, to accomplish that. So it can be it can be pretty they can be pretty impactful. And I think with some practice and some imagination that they are very, very strong support models, um, in my opinion, if not pretty good and functional, if, 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 if uh, we're downgrading them um, at all. I like them both, and I think that they together are pretty, pretty good. Um, so I would say that of the four Inquisitor models, that I probably like the support characters the most of, of them. Are you counting Vader? No. Okay. Uh, because again, Vader is not in that box set and he's not and Vader is like, Vader is great. Vader's very popular right now. Vader is better. Very Vader is better with other models. <laughs> and so how dare you? I mean, you can't say that I'm wrong because I'm not, <laughs> I I can say that you're not right. 
I don't know that you're wrong, but I don't necessarily think that, that that's a hundred percent. And this this is, I think, where um, I'm going to to balance your uh, your sassiness here. Okay. Okay. So here here's here's though my my two issues sure. with with both of these support models. Okay. I do like them, and I do think they have cool abilities, and they have cooler abilities than you normally see on support models, mm-hmm. which is great. The downsides are that, um, you know, it it feels to me like they're both worse in scenario play and in offensive output than many other support options. So it's it is good that they can break ties however if it is if you're comparing scenario play uh if i have two models i could run to two scenario uh elements which Mm -hmm. obviously you cannot do with that and also if it's you know if, if if it's my support going against your support and we run into each other on that objective then i'm going to win that two versus one, it's not going to come to a tie. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I do kind of feel like that's a, a drawback they have in scenario play versus normal support models. Mm-hmm. And then one of the things that always kind of surprised me with the support models when I first started playing the game was kind of how much offensive output they could potentially have and that it's happening twice because, again, with a name like support you expect them to not be doing that much um and it turns out that it's a pretty big deal to only have one character doing attacks versus two characters doing attacks Mm -hmm. so that's another potential issue that i have with them so i think that it's it can't be denied that the board presence of uh a two character support unit versus a one character support unit um, are it's just it's simply more board presence that's yeah that is true um, and it is a point for two character units there uh, I think that the approach with inquisitors has to be different than the approach uh, with say like a 501st or a b1 droid and they it's almost the other side of the same coin the the strength of a two character unit can also be its drawback so you are interacting with more of the bez- the board and you have more board presence but you are also more exposed to more of the board and support units are notoriously a little on the squishy side especially something like a 501st yeah. or the clones in in, in general uh, outside of even with Obi-Wan I, like Support units don't necessarily have the best expertise charts either, so they're not converting as much sure. in defense or offense. And these two support units, they do convert a lot to defense and offense comparatively, at least with offense. Um, the 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 other thing I think just in general with how Inquisitors play, they 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 play, and I was mentioning this, they play zone more than than man to man, and taking an Inquisitor. And just running them off like you might with a support unit is probably going to yield, and for me it has yielded less positive results 
than if I approach it like they are like a little little squad. So having that squad be relatively close to each other, they can really start getting off the enfeebles, which really helps their their output and their impact. The there's a lot of timing that is that is so crucial to them too, which makes them more challenging to use, I will say. But to just focus on the supports a little bit more, yeah, they don't impact the board as much, but they're also less exposed. So if you are playing with them a bunch, you I think you'll start to see, and I've seen it in other people's play, and I've started to see it in my own play with them, that... If you can approach it well with with patience and with uh, a little bit of forethought, they can be much much more impactful than simply running two five zero first up and taking like two two points and and hoping that you keep them without losing the points and the momentum. I, I think I think they can be kind of good at punishing those supports who who are doing that um, without, I don't know, with, I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure out how I want to say this. Uh, I, my experience going into them, playing into them, there's there's another person that, that plays that is, has been a pretty strong opponent when I play into their Inquisitors, and they seem to really gel with them. I, I didn't gel with them at first, and after playing against them a couple of times, I started to see what I was doing wrong, and he treats them like this pack that I've been telling you about. He really leans into, um, I, I mean, just to, just to bring up Vader momentarily, he really leans into Vader's identity ability, and that then triggers off of the Inquisitor's uh, identity ability. And those two things play off very well from each other, and they really, really, really help the whole ball move. Um, I know it's kind of long-winded, but... I think I I don't think that they're as bad as they seem. Maybe on paper, or or maybe with a little more practice, you you might get get one I'm putting down. And that's that's potentially true. And as I said, of the Grand Inquisitor, third, fourth, and fifth sister, the fourth <laughs> and fifth sister are the ones I like the most, and I've been kind of critical of them. Um, uh, one one other thing that is a little bit regrettable about uh, these these characters in the current meta uh-huh. is that it's like you're bringing extra pinatas for Grievous to get force off of. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a sad thing. That, <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. I think that that that's true and it, it is risky and frankly it was, it was a, a risk I was willing to take, and since I only played Grievous the one time, <laughs> it worked out okay. But yeah, no, it's it's it is risky to take them into a Grievous soaked meta. You're absolutely right. Uh, I think I think let's see. There's a couple of characters though that that like seeing Force users, right? Is it who am I? I've, I, feel uh, like it's I mean, the Inquisitor does as well. That's right. That's is it. Just the Inquisitor and just Grievous. I think you're right. I think that's true. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that's true. Um, oh, I'm thinking of the other Force type thing is Savage. Savage has a, a Force based ability. Okay, but it's not. It's not the same thing. All right. That's that's who I was trying to think of. Uh, yeah. No, you're right. I 
they are risky. They're very, very, very risky for that. All right. So do we want to move on and talk about the third sister? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Okay. Your, what are your thoughts? I asked. Um, so I feel like I feel like she's one of the worst secondary characters. <laughs> uh on that i think i would have to agree she is kind of disappointing <laughs> like i've <laughs> i've gotten work out of her it's just it's such labored work <laughs> i i i feel like i mean so the support are like secondaries and frankly she's a secondary that's more like a support and I really, really wish that she was the support model and then we had to fight for two secondary models because, man, she's not it. <laughs> she's not it. She, I, my, my only two frustrations with her, and I think for me that would bring her up a lot, is the call to hunt ability I, needs to be a tactic and should not cost a force. I mean, how many secondaries that are... The cost four have something like so many pawns has an ability like that for for crying out loud. Yeah. So um, that would be helpful if that changed. And then the other thing is that she of the inquisitors, she is the only one. And I'm going to double check this, but I think she's the only one that doesn't. Yeah, that doesn't have a a part of the combat tree that triggers an active ability. And yeah, yeah. I think that that's such a bummer. Um, the reactive ability at the bottom of her, bottom of her card, your fear betrays you, is another ability that I think ought to be innate or an identity yeah. or some, something. I I just I think I think third sister is a bit of a miss for a secondary. I I think I think <laughs> all of the secondaries are better than than her. <laughs> okay. All right, so now let's let's go ahead and talk about uh, the Grand Inquisitor. All right, I'm buckling up because this is gonna be it's gonna be a spicy debate. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Grand Inquisitor, man. I think the Grand Inquisitor is 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 actually pretty good, but I'll add a ca- caveat, and and this this could be the olive branch of the conversation. Uh, I think that the Inquisitor. Is contextually good, contextually good. I think I think he struggles by himself, and I think he needs Vader to really, currently as is, needs Vader to be the most grand Inquisitor that he can be. Um, and and to be clear, I don't I don't mind the fact that the Grand Inquisitor is best when he's playing with Vader. Um, I I think that is kind of cool thematically. Uh, and if I was deciding to play a, a list that was like all the Inquisitors, probably the um, my my biggest hangup is uh, that is just that Pawns doesn't really fit thematically for me, and so it doesn't you know fit my inner fluff bunny or whatever. Sure, yeah, um, that's fine. Even... <laughs> but my my bigger issue is that it just feels like there's better options to play with Vader. So I. So I think there are different options to play with Vader. Uh, I think some have, they just kind of highlight different things. I've played Vader in a couple of different iterations. And for me, the one I've liked the most is the one with the Inquisitor. 
I want to use Vader's uh, Fury ability a lot, um, and I want to use uh, Vader's, what is it, the Anger ability. Um, I'm not great at remembering all these names. The Your Hatred Makes You Powerful. I want to use your, your Hatred Makes You Powerful as often as possible, as much as I need. And that leaves him a little exposed. And <laughs> I don't always know that I can get, say, uh, an Obi-Wan or a Luminara there in time to rescue him before somebody uh, is able to beat him down. And the, I get some choice, right, when that might happen. But <laughs> as as fate would ha- have it, almost every time I reserve a car, the next one I pull is Vader. It happens like clockwork. I don't know why. And uh, when I have to play Vader and I have to put him in a position, it's I really want to get the most out of him. He's got to do what people do and just try to end somebody in one activation. And it works sometimes, and it doesn't always other times. But if I can get it to work, then he just heals himself right then. And he's very hard to kill in one activation with 12 health points. If if the, I think the only one that can do it is maybe... Uh, somebody with some damage in their expertise chart that can get to 11 or Anakin with the double tap. And I don't even know that having a little extra defense with hunker tokens or cover is is a guaranteed outlet for keeping him alive. Because his conversions are not the most amazing for defense. Um, yeah, I mean, one of my one of my issues with him is that I mean, as as I mentioned, we are uh, kind of in a meta where people are trying to one shot characters, and he is like basically not even throwing up a struggle on <laughs> avoiding avoiding getting one shot. He he can do it. He just has to be healthy. <laughs> oh oh okay. So if he's uh you know if he's fully healthy and you roll great and the opponent rolls bad. Maybe, maybe it's going to, he's going to be okay. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Well, <laughs> cool. I guess. <laughs> I don't know what to say I, about that. I mean, it's all, it's, it, it's such a tricky variance based game with, with sure. some, some things that happen, right? Things where I've had Vader should one shot a, yeah, I have uh, five I have some right? hyperbole going on, but yeah. it does it does feel bad to be a low hit point kind of bad defensive model in people that are trying to be high damage output. Yes, yes, but to his credit, Grievous goes down a lot quicker. <laughs> um, uh. Yeah, Grievous has fewer health points and worse defense dice. So I I, I think. And with all of this, I have I have been working on some ideas of of how to combat this super aggressive meta right now. And I wonder if if these fruits or if the, these ideas bear fruit, things might shift in a new direction. And I'm curious where they go after that. But and in general, new new releases tend to shift the meta the most. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Although I don't think I think that the separatists droid uh, approach is going to probably be here for a while. It might take on some different flavors, but it's it's 
it's kind of the it's going to be a, a Kraken and or Kalani or Kalani and or Kraken plus whatever droids plus then the primaries and mm-hmm. and I think that that is going to be a pretty prominent vessel for play yeah and it's going to be strong uh, with other with other events so I think a showdown events or a premier showdown event might add some really important nuance to this, to the meta. A lot of times I think conversations might be, um, kind of hovering around just a normal showdown where I have my strike force, the two squads, and I, and I just walk into the wild and see what happens. But with, with four squads, that that becomes a very different game. And I think that that might not necessarily, I think that might bring the, the separatist down maybe a peg if people can skew their squads into that. However, that might be, I don't know, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, that's, that's just thoughts, thoughts as they leave my, my brain through my mouth. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I, I've obviously been, been somewhat critical of these models. Um, I, I am curious, what what do you think is, if you're trying to play these models and you're, you're trying to have success, what do you think are the keys to success? What do you think are some of the scenario tactics or what do you think are some of the list-building strategies? So I, I think I'm still a little bit of a novice with them. Uh, I think there's a couple of people in the area that, are thinking about them more than I am and I think are better at them than I am. But things that I've noticed that I like, uh, one, Vader and Inquisitor. I think like if you're going to do that, if you're going to take one, you kind of reach for as many as you can. I think uh, leave Third Sister. <laughs> um, leave maybe Fourth Sister. Really look at bringing Obi-Wan. So Obi-Wan is an interesting pick for them. As right now, with the mind trick ability, mind trick really can keep a lot of the damage off of them. And I, I think that he's an important tech piece. And then from, from there, I think I would, some things I want to explore or enjoy exploring, Chango, Magna Guard, 501st, uh, with the with Vader, uh, Rex possibly if you want even more consistency with the galactic side. I think I think treating them like a zone army and trying to keep them relatively close to each other is important. And really, really try to use Vader's identity uh, carefully. <laughs> I I like to just see what the extra dice will get me, even though I probably don't need to use it all as often as I do. So I I think temperance and patience are a big part of learning to play play them um, and play them well. That, one that's, of the that's my take. One of the early builds that I I tried with them that ultimately ended up being kind of frustrating. I, I didn't go with Vader um, initially, and and part of it was because I was wanting to play the full. Um, the box set essentially, and so oh. I did instead of Vader, I did Asajj, mm-hmm. and then under Asajj I had 
fourth sister and Django. Mm. And part of my thought with it was I was wanting to kind of do scenario plays and um, I would have abilities from either, you know, the, the two support characters or Asajj where I could be moving models. Um, but one of the two of the issues that I had pretty quickly were that my force pool was only six, which is super sad times when you have a lot of abilities that are that you're going in the game thinking that you're wanting to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other issue was that gets even more greatly exacerbated as models start getting wounded and, uh, you know, things get more expensive. And so, yeah, yep. It's, it, it is, it's, this is an interesting game where concept and sort of it's, it's realistic approach are very, the, the gap between the, those two things can be very wide. Mm. <laughs> and I think it does take some, some repetitive play to narrow the gap between concept and reality where I, I too have gone with a list thinking this is, this should work out really, really well. Even if I don't have control over the activation sequence, like all of these things should do really well. There's redundancy, everything, and none of it works out well. (laughs) And (laughs) and, um, the first time is the worst time. And then I, if I have enough patience and play it once or twice more, I start to find a groove and I start seeing stuff I didn't see at first and I'm starting to be more aware of position. So I, and since we talked about position, I, I think that that sort of conscientious placement does take time with, with different concepts. So I don't know that your approach would have, is, was even bad per se. It just might require more, more exploration. Well, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up here and we can, I, I'm curious, uh, as always, everyone should should join the Patreon, and then you'll get to hear our bonus episodes. You'll get to hear things a week early, but you'll also get to jump into our Discord, and you can tell me all the ways that I'm wrong about the Inquisitors, and you can tell me <laughs> all the ways that you've had success with them, and that would be amazing. Yeah, share share your stories and join the conversation. All right. Well. Um, as always, also check out discountgamesinc.com for your gaming needs. And uh, thank you to everyone that is supporting the Patreon. And stay tuned for the bonus episode. To be continued. <laughs>